Life Audio. We can't do this by ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to be self-aware enough. Mm-hmm. If we could, we would have done it by now. <laughs> Good point. You know, I mean, I'm very self-reflective and I'm yeah. willing, more than willing to blame myself, yeah. <laughs> but, but um, I needed another set of expert eyes on me. Hey, friends. Today, I am talking to my new friend, Laura Acuna. She is an author of a book called Still Becoming. She is a woman who has been on a body image and food journey for a long time, and she shares about it today. And she also shares about the freedom she's found. Now, she's coaching women, too. It's a really encouraging story. You're going to love the interview today, and you're going to really love what we talk about in the next episode when Laura comes back and we talk about spiritual maturity. So please come back and listen listen to that one too. Hey, I'm glad you're here. I'm Heather Creekmore. This is the Compared to Who show where we talk about all things body image and comparison through the lens of scripture, through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our God is good and he has good things for us. He loves us so much and he made our bodies good. So why do we struggle so much? Oh, if you are wrestling today, this week, this month, this year, I've got a whole course I designed called the Body Image Freedom Framework. Y'all, it's 12 modules. It is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of work that I put into it. Now, it's not hundreds and hundreds of hours long, okay? It, it'll take you about two hours a week if you want to go through it, you know, one week at a time. You know, you you can slow it down a little bit more though too. You can make it last as long as you want to make it or you can take it a little faster. But friend, this course takes you on a journey through the spiritual roots of your body image issues, where you got stuck, why you got stuck, and then it helps you get unstuck. And it takes you on a journey to spiritual maturity, right? A lot of us just need to challenge what we believe about God. Does me even saying that your body is good, like kind of bristle you? And we got to challenge those beliefs, my friend. I get it. I was there. But friend, these body image issues are always about what's going on in our hearts. And until you fix it there, it doesn't matter what you do with your body. It doesn't matter how you change your size. If you get toned, if you get the look, if you get the surgery, you got to change what's going on in your heart first. That's where freedom comes in. And there are so many options. You can take it just as an online course where you're doing it self-paced like we talked about, or you can choose to do some sessions with me as you go along, or you can get in the course and then decide to add some sessions with me. We also have groups going, but they're already in session. If you want to join one of those, there may be a possibility for you to get in now, or you can just wait till January when the new groups begin. Anyway, I hope you'll check it out. Go to improvebodyimage.com and you can learn all you need to know there. You can always save $50 by using the code podcast when you check out. Let's get to today's show. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here, the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, 
biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone. You've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Laura Kuna, thank you so much for being on the Compared to Who show today. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it's so fun to get to talk to you. I know we've got some mutual friends. We're in this same space of helping women break free from, in some cases, in your case, in my case too, decades of dieting and body image bondage. And I'd love to start today with you just telling us your story because it's a powerful one. And I would, I'd love for the listeners to hear it. Would you mind sharing your story with us today, Laura? I'd love to. I really would. I, I have to tell you, there was a time in my life when I would not want to. <laughs> I right because, there with you. <laughs> right? yes. But because of God's redeeming grace and glory and love and healing, um, it's now actually an honor and privilege to share my story with other women because I've learned that for decades, I believed I was the only one. Mm-hmm. And I now know I'm not. And it's really important to me for other women to know they're not either. Amen. So my story started when I was 11. Up until that time, uh, everything was hunky-dory as far as I remember. I was a little girl. I loved doing all kinds of things. I believed that God had a plan and purpose for my life even then. I didn't know what it was, but I was excited about serving him one day like I watched my mom and my grandmothers do, and I loved church, and um, life was good. And then I entered the seventh grade difficult years, middle school. And I weighed 100 pounds when I entered the seventh grade. I was five feet tall. And when I left the ninth grade, I weighed well over 200 pounds and I was only five foot three. So in the span of about a year and a half, actually, I gained well over 100 pounds out of the blue. And I describe it, I described it then as a bomb going off and everything changed. Everything changed. The way people looked at me, the way people treated me, um, that I felt the trajectory for my life was altered. I believed wrongly that God did have a plan and purpose for my life, and it was going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. But after that, I felt like he'd taken it away. He said, you know, I can't work with you. I can't do do this anymore. This is not going to work for me. Now, I know that's wrong now, but I didn't know it then. And so I operated out of that false belief for decades. Um, people didn't recognize me. It happened so fast that I would go to a funeral or a wedding where you'd see relatives and friends only once in a while. And I could hear them whispering behind my back. Is that Laura? Is that, oh my gosh, what happened? You know, I know people were going to my mother and asking, is she sick? It's, you know, all kinds of uh, angst over the whole thing. And that's when the word shame popped up because everyone was saying it's such a shame. Mm-hmm. Such a pretty girl, such a beautiful girl, on and on and on. I mean, of course, so much value placed on what you look like. Yeah. And now the downside of that was I was a pretty girl, mm-hmm. but now I'm not anymore. Mm-hmm. And I took it is a shame, and it was, to she is a shame, mm-hmm. that you're a shame. You're just a big crying shame. Yeah. So shame, shame, shame. I mean, the enemy just moved right in even in my, in my young life, and no one knew what to do with me because it was 1970. It was a long, long time ago. I'm going to be 65 this year. So we only knew a little bit about 
eating disorders. We we didn't understand anything pre- pretty much beyond anorexia or bulimia. And I didn't have either one, never did. Mm-hmm. We know now that disordered eating is the number one way women struggle with food, mm-hmm. but we didn't know that then. Yeah. It also affected me uh, academically. I'd been a straight A student. Teachers told my parents I could do anything I wanted. She was, your, your child is that bright. She can do whatever she wants. And I went from straight A's to failing. Wow. I could not pull myself together to save my life. Mm-hmm. And it just went from there mm-hmm. for decades and decades and decades of losing and gaining. And, you know, the only solution anyone had in 1970 was to take me to Weight Watchers. Mm-hmm. That was it. And so, again, I don't need to explain to you or anyone else listening to this program <laughs> the menacing mindset. <laughs> of going into the church basement. Exactly. <laughs> to be weighed. Exactly. Yes. In front of your mother's friends. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Been there. And by the way, by the way, my mother never had a weight problem. You know, I mean, she had a food problem. I will tell you that. Yeah. But I didn't know that until later. I, You know, we equate weight with having a food problem, but that's not yeah. true. So anyway, that's my story in a nutshell. Um, And it really wasn't until probably when I turned 50, 15 years ago, that really the light bulb started going on. And then about eight years ago, uh, my mother died suddenly. Mm -hmm. And then my best friend, my best childhood friend Mm -hmm. from, I mean, we knew each other since we were six months old. Her father was Mm -hmm. my pastor. I mean, we were close like sisters. Mm -hmm. She passed away three months after my mother suddenly. And it was a tipping point for me. Mm -hmm. I had no way to stuff that. Yeah. You know, no ice cream, no cookies, no nothing was going to, was going to numb that out. Mm -hmm. So I went for help. And so my book is the culmination of five years with a angel therapist who specialized. That's the key in women like me. Mm -hmm. And she put me through the paces. And in the end, I was free. Wow. And so I wrote the book. I love it. I love it. So I feel like your the freedom part of that story got a little glossed over. It was a little bit, you know, someone listening to the show for the first time, I'd be like, oh, she just flipped a switch oh, and no. boom, she was free. What did that no. really look like? I know that's not true. <laughs> what, did that, <laughs> what did that really look like? Like what the journey was hard. I'm sure you. Ha- it was a hard fight, right? It was a hard fight. It still is. It still is a hard fight. Um, but here's what I know. God could wave a magic wand and heal us instantly. He has the power to do that. But he puts us through a process because he loves us so much and he wants us to know him. Yeah. And that's how we get to know him. That's how our trust muscle gets strengthened so we can stand up upright. And as women, just as a little aside here, as we age and grow older and our children start to leave home, and those transitions start happening. We need our trust muscles strong mm-hmm. because there's a series of losses that happen to us as mothers and as women, not just mothers, but as women and as human beings mm-hmm. as we get older. And I have found that what I learned on the food journey, if you want to call it that, has strengthened me for other things as well. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. So yes, there was work to do. There were, there was very specific things that my therapist wanted to work with me on and almost all of them. I rebelled against instantly, hmm. you know, okay. wanting to re- me to reconnect with my body. What? Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> I hate it. Uh-huh. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to yeah. be friends with it. Yeah. I don't want to listen to it. I've, I've ignored it for decades. Mm-hmm. 
So it took a long time to get me to trust her, yeah, to trust the process she was asking me to join her on. And once I did, the floodgates opened and things started rapidly changing. Mm -hmm. I worked with a dietitian who helped me learn when I was hungry and when I was full because I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I knew how to eat healthy. No one had to tell me that, that, you know. No, (laughs) I I didn't know how to manage my emotions and process my life Mm. and what had happened. And she treated that 100 plus pound gain as a major trauma in my life. And at first I said, trauma? And she said, Laura, you you describe it as a bomb going off. It was a major trauma for you as a little girl. Yeah. I never looked at it that way because I was very busy blaming myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a five-year process okay. and it's still ongoing. I yeah. still have to use the tools that I was taught yeah. and some days I don't do so well, mm-hmm. but most of the time I do. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And and agreed, right? I mean, I use the term freedom all the time and I think you probably use that word too. Yes. But freedom doesn't mean you never have a day where you don't struggle. Freedom means, like you said, having the tools and also, I think just having um, the awareness <laughs> that, oh, wait, this is a choice. I get to decide if I'm going to, you know, lament in my body woe today or if I'm going to use the tools I have to, you know, try to pull myself up a little bit out of that. But yes, yeah. yes. I found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums, contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Yant. I'm a caring father, mentor, and friend. In my new podcast, Billy and the Goat, I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. You know, one major change I've noticed is when I go on speaking engagements or anywhere, really, I used to have a pile of clothes on the bed. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Because I was upset (laughs) about everything. Yeah. Well, now I'm like, just pick the thing out of the closet that looks nice, that you love. I mean, you know, that you love, but that fits. Yeah. And and just go with it and be joyful, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's freedom alone. Absolutely. I mean, that was, that wasn't just speaking engagements for me. That was every day. I mean, my college roommates <laughs> would tell you that it was hard to find my bed because there were so many clothes piled up. And that was way back in college. And then, oh my goodness, becoming a pastor's wife for me every Sunday morning. Oh my. Was the every stack. Sunday. So yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that for sure. Well, so what, what are some of your biggest takeaways and ter- like as you look back, on your journey. And so you said 50 was kind of the turning point or mm-hmm. the beginning of the turning point. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk like 20 to 50. Like, what are some of your takeaways from that season? 
Well, I would say the 20s were rough, mm-hmm. although I married my husband in my 20s. Okay. And God will bless you abundantly, even when you're a mess. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I mean, what a faithful, loving, yeah. unconditional husband I have. I have, mm-hmm. I, that is not part, my story is not that my husband ever has given me a hard time one way or the other. He just loves me and supports mm-hmm. me. But so great things happened in, the, in my 20s. I had my first child in my 20s. Um, I loved being pregnant because I didn't have to worry about my weight. I uh-huh. thought it was awesome. You know, um, I loved being pregnant all three times. Um, but I was in, um, I was in a place where I believed that my husband could fix me mm-hmm. when I got married. You know, that, oh, now it's all going to be fine. I've got this wonderful man and yeah. he loves me and all's going to be well. And that's fantasy thinking. Mm-hmm. So I lived with that thinking my husband could fix me. Not fair. He could not possibly poor man. I mean, what did I put him through anyway? Does this look good? I don't want to yeah. go out today. <laughs> I don't want to go there. I don't want to see those people. You know, he, he lived with that. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that was the twenties and thirties. But that was also the time when I, when I first was introduced to women's Bible study. Mm. And that's when the healing really, I mean, like the very beginning of healing began. Yeah. And I started to process God's uh, word with other women and applying mm-hmm. it to my life for growth and change. Yeah. I love that. And then did we say up to the fifties? We say 20 yeah. to 50. Yeah. Okay. So, so then the, the forties were rapid growth. Um, not about food and, and weight, but of course it doesn't have anything to do with food and weight. Mm-hmm. We know that. So there was a lot of shoring up that God was doing, teaching me and things bubbled up. Um, I had had a epic failure in college because of all of this. I mean, mm-hmm. I challenge anyone to have a worse transcript than I did. Mm-hmm. And in my late forties, because I'd had some healing, I'd gone for help, um, to more generic help than specific help, yeah. but I went back to school at 50 oh, awesome. and started with English 101 mm-hmm. and um, graduated. I'm bumping into the fifties, but all those years uh, led up to me going back to school. And that was a major freedom thing for me. Awesome. Awesome. But meanwhile, you're still on the diet. Off oh the yeah. Diet, on, on the diet. Off. Mm-hmm. off the diet. Yep. Angst, misery, wouldn't get in the pool with my kids. Mm. I mean, I can't, I can't, I mean, I had to count the cost. That was part of my healing journey. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of things that it cost me and my family. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see evidence, I have three sons, but I see some evidence of this in, in all three of my children. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, yes. I, you know, I, I was just thinking the other day, I would sit, I would sit on the edge of the pool with my bathing suit cover up on, get my feet in the water, mm-hmm. desperately wanting to get in there with my children. Mm-hmm desperately wanting to cool off because I was hot, desperately wanting to be in the pool with the other women who were playing with their children. I didn't do it. Yeah, I did not do it. Same thing at the beach. Mm -hmm. I'd get down with my chair by the edge of the water, but I would not go in. So yes, it was, it was tough. Yeah. So what would you say to yourself back then? And really, Laura, you're speaking to a lot of the women listening who are saying, yes, I just went through the summer exactly like that. Mm-hmm. How would you encourage them? I would encourage them to get help. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing, because we can't do this by ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's really hard uh, to to be self-aware enough. Mm-hmm. If we could, we would have done it by now. <laughs> Good point. 
you know, I mean, I'm very self-reflective and I'm willing, more than willing to blame myself, (laughs) but, but, um, I needed another set of expert eyes on me Mm -hmm. to draw out, um, what was going on and also to help me practice Mm self-compassion, which I was not familiar with. Yeah. So I would say get help. The other thing would be to surround yourself with other women who are like-minded and who are struggling with the same thing. Um, the Bible studies that I was involved in weren't around this subject, but they were freedom mm-hmm. Bible studies for sure. I believe believing God by Beth Moore changed my mm-hmm. life. And so I would say, do whatever you can to surround yourself with people who are going to lift you up. If you have a friend who's mm-hmm. starving herself and drinking seltzer water all day long, mm-hmm. she can still be your friend, but mm-hmm. you need to be around women who are struggling with what you're struggling with. Preach. It's almost as if you're doing an advertisement for my next group coaching session, which starts very soon. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You, I think the eating disorder world, a lot of us in it, you know, like, like your story, smart, and I can do what I set my mind on doing. And so I think when it comes to our perspective on freedom, it's like, well, other people probably need help, but I know that I am strong enough. And if I just determine myself, just like all those Mondays, I started Weight Watchers, right? Like I need just, it's just a matter of willpower. I just need to keep my, you know, my knuckles white because I'm gripping so hard and somehow I know I can do this. That's exactly right. And you know what? The, the profile of a girl who you, who turns to food is a bright, intuitive mm-hmm. child who sees the world through eyes that are honest. You know, I, I always think of the emperor has no clothes, little mm-hmm. boy. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the little boy who went that the king's naked, the yeah. emperor's naked, but everybody yeah. else said he wasn't. Right. And so what we do is we, we, we withdraw mm-hmm. because people don't get us. Right. And we're standing there saying, I see the incongruency in what's going on here in this household or wherever I am at work. I mean, it's a struggle that we have all through our lives, right? but it's also a wonderful strength. Mm. It's a beautiful gift from God that the, the enemy can distort. Mm. So yes to all of that. I thought the same thing. Well, I'm not anorexic and I'm not bulimic mm-hmm. and I'm not, you know, eating a bag of cookies every time I sit down. So I'm okay. I was not okay. Right. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I was a grazer more than I was a stuff, you know, eating large quantities of food. My mother used to say, you never walk by the refrigerator without opening it up mm. and you're always grazing. Mm. So I had a hard time identifying myself as a person who had a problem with food because I didn't binge and purge or starve. Yeah. 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 So, so on the, I, I want to say on the other side, and I was like, was that going to sound contradictory? But but you are, you're on the other side. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I do believe that there's, there's a, a line in the sand sometimes. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I, I am on the side of freedom. What, where are you now with food? Like, what does that look like? Has that part changed in addition mm-hmm. to the body image part? Like mm-hmm. what, what does that look mm-hmm. like for you? So the first thing I want to say is that was absolutely astonishing to me was I believe freedom was, excuse me, I believe freedom was 120 pounds. Mm -hmm. That's what I believed it was. Mm -hmm. And so my whole goal was to get there somehow Mm -hmm. and, and stay there. Mm -hmm. I could get there, 
mm-hmm. with extreme measures, but I could not stay there. Mm-hmm. So that was my goal when I went into therapy was this lady's going to show me how to get there and stay there. Mm-hmm. Well, then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, I live in Maryland. We occasionally have blizzards. It reminded me of a blizzard. We all got sent home and mm-hmm. we couldn't go out to work and we we're all hunkered down. So what did I do during blizzards all these years? Well, I cooked like feet, like a crazy woman. Mm-hmm. I cooked and cooked yeah. casseroles, meatloaves, everything we normally wouldn't eat. I was cooking. Uh-huh. But all of a sudden I noticed a couple weeks in that I wasn't doing that. Mm. I, it, it never crossed my mind. Mm. We were just eating normally. I had yeah. two children out of state. I didn't see for a year. I was wow. anxious, yeah. but I had tools now. Mm. So I didn't, that's when I ran into the therapist or actually it was on zoom, I guess, because of COVID. <laughs> but I said to her, I'm afraid to believe this, mm. but I think I'm free. Mm. And she goes, you are. Wow. And we both cried our eyes out. Yeah. I said, but I, I've only lost a little bit of weight and I don't, you know, mm. and she's like, no, it has mm. nothing to do with the number on the scale, Laura. Mm. So that was so liberating. I can't even tell you. Uh, I've met women who, by the world standards, would you would say, oh, my goodness, poor thing, who are so free. They're mm. on the path. Yeah. You can't tell by looking at someone yeah. where they are and where they started and where they're going. So that was revolutionary. And so that greatly impacted how I viewed food and how I eat and all that. So basically, I eat three square meals mm-hmm. every day. And that includes something from every food group, although I don't count it, measure it, look at it, or think of it. I just do it. Mm-hmm. You know, a sandwich and a piece of fruit, something mm-hmm. like that. But that's what I do. Sandwiches mm-hmm. were off limits before because they had so many calories. And mm-hmm. then some, the nutritionist pointed or dietitian pointed out to me, they have less calories than some of the salads I was making. So yeah. <laughs> hello. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I tended to undereat as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd eat a can of soup or something and then, you know, snack all afternoon. So. Mm-hmm. So three square meals and snacks if needed. Yeah. But if I don't think of it and I don't want it, I don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I love that you mentioned that about sandwiches because in, in my journey to be an intuitive eater is, is the label I'll give it. Yes. But, but sandwiches for sure, like that was never an acceptable thing like that. You know, for me, it was probably more like the, oh, well, you can't eat the bread. You can't have the carbohydrates, you know, you know, so you just like roll the cheese and the turkey and throw some mustard oh, yeah. in there or whatever. But it's so funny to me now. Well, f- well, first, first of all, I'm going to do a podcast episode sometime called The Devil Stole My Breakfast because, <laughs> but, because it's like, you know, I didn't eat breakfast for uh, so many years, right? Before intermittent fasting was a thing, I was skipping breakfast, right? To just skip those calories. Like I didn't think I, you know, I didn't really need it. Like I felt okay in the morning, you know, that, that kind of thing. And now that I'm eating kind of like you said, I'm, eating a balanced breakfast every morning. I'm eating, you know, a real lunch every day. It is so strange how the power of food, (laughs) which is really probably the power of just being overly hungry or never satisfied or all of those things, right? Like it's, it's totally lost just in eating like an, and I'm going to say normal person, (laughs) right? Like I think at some point we were all lied to as women, or maybe even men too, that you have to eat this special, restrictive, crazy way and and it messed us all up. And now eating a sandwich is a very satisfying thing. 
It's great. On. It's yeah. great. Get some yeah. whole grain bread and some good turkey and you're good to go. I, I know it felt really weird. It felt like I was cheating right. and, you know, and then there's shame involved and, you know, all those negative things. Um, but when you're satiated, yeah. You're not thinking about food anymore. You can think about the things of God. You can think about yeah. the things you're supposed to be thinking about, like what right. your child needs or what your husband needs or what you need. You're not preoccupied all the time. I used to love those hunger pains because to me that meant you're, you're losing weight. So that's what I wanted to be, right? Success. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. having a good day. Now I can't tolerate it. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. I remember somewhere along the line, I heard, you know, you should always go to bed hungry. Yes. And, and I remember, you know, maybe my twenties and thirties laying in bed, you know, with those hunger pains, like that feeling like I've really accomplished something that day because I was going to bed hungry. And now it's like, I am not going to be able to sleep. I don't like go eat a banana or something. Exactly. Oh, but only eat a half. Oh, yes. Bananas are dangerous. (laughs) Not as dangerous as, you know, like, well, no, they're, they're so much more dangerous than a protein bar or something, you know, manufactured. Anyway, that's all. They could do a whole episode on that, Laura. You could do bananas. Uh, (laughs) uh, This, this has been so good. Laura, we're out of time for today, but will you come back and share with us more of your journey in the next episode? I would love to. Well, thank you for watching or listening today. If you want to connect with Laura, you can check out her book, Still Becoming, or what's your website, Laura? www.laura-acuna.com. Laura-acuna.com. And I'll have the links to all that in show notes. Thank you for watching or listening today. And I hope something today has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. The Compare Do Show is proud to be part of the Life Audio Podcast Network. For more great Christian podcasts, go to lifeaudio.com. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.